Seriously? You tried to terrorize New York subway commuters? Nice try. Nice try. New York commuters don't even flinch when the subway breakdancers kick two inches away from their face. They have to battle rats for the seat, which, for the record, you should only give up if the rat is pregnant. Yeah, yeah I like the defiance. Yes, I like the light-hearted, you guys are a joke attitude. F you. That is I perfect. I love it. Yeah. A little less sad, a little more defiant. That is awesome. Find myself in agreement with Colbert for once. Shocking. So, so you tell me this is a big deal. I think this is a big deal. But as usual, it's what did Trump mean, and he 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 is an expert at phrasing things. <laughs> or doing things that you could take one way, but you can yeah. explain yourself out of it if it gets too hot. Captain Ambiguous. He's, he's pretty good at that. Yeah, okay. Hit me. No, I wasn't mocking a handicapped person, which I, I buy or bought. Sure. Um, but yeah, he, he, always, pretty he, he does that a lot, though, where, you know, you could take it the really wrong way, but he has a, a wiggle way out. Sure. So you got this uh, senator for he's New York. vague about everything. Even if you agree with him, it's hard to tell. But this seems pretty calculated when he do, okay. when he does all these things. You know, the racial stuff, the just a lot of comments that are like way over the top, but vague enough that he can sure. back out of it. Okay, all right, let's hear it. Um, so I got to set it all up. So, uh, Senator from New York, uh, Kirsten Gillibrand. I always get Kirsten, Kristen, and Kirsten mixed up. This is a Kirsten. All right, or is it a Kirsten? No, it's Kirsten. Okay. Uh, she's senator from New York. Now, she's got an interesting story because she was really tight with Bill and Hill and um, uh, worked hard for Hillary and uh, campaigned re- with Bill, campaigned with Bill. And as recently as a couple of years ago, was tweeting about how honored she was to be part of the Clinton family and that sort of stuff. Right. Who now says Clinton should have resigned and, and Hillary is a witch for supporting him and all yeah. that sort of stuff yeah. over the sexual harassment stuff. Hilarious. And some people are, 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 are giving her un, uh, enough credit to say she's just, you know, become enlightened on it. Some people are saying she's just an opportunist opportunist who goes with whatever flavor is hot of the day. Sure. So yesterday she said President Trump needs to resign based on all the women that went on the Today Show yesterday with uh, Megyn Kelly, all the Trump accusers, and telling their stories. So Kirsten Gillibrand, Senator New York, says Trump needs to resign. Trump responds with this. If we can come up with any of the tape of the women talking to Megyn, (laughs) Michael, (laughs) So, okay, what now? I think we got a little of that, yeah. Okay. Right. Um, so, Trump tweets this morning, lightweight Senator Kirsten Gillibrand, a total flunky for Chuck Schumer and someone who'd come to my office begging for campaign contributions not so long ago, then in parentheses, and would do anything for them, is now in the <laughs> ring against Trump. Whoa, whoa. Right. Is now in the ring against Trump. Very disloyal to Bill and Crooked. Used! All caps, exclamation point. Now, does that would do anything for them? Is that classic Trump saying, making a sexual innuendo? Oh, boy. But then he can say, no, like, you know, he, he she would uh, do political favors. Sure, she'd uh, cast a vote for their client. Yeah, right. Because yeah. when I read it, I took it as, well, the sexual stuff. Sure. Lock the door, honey. That's a hell of a thing to say about a female U.S. senator. Oh, my God. So she has responded, just like in the last five minutes. Oh, boy. Um, oh, boy. 
Uh, on, uh, I'll read. I'll just read it from the uh, the AP. Um, Is this the sitting U.S. president we're talking about? Yes. Hmm. Uh, in his word, come to my office begging for campaign contributions not so long ago and would do anything for them. The president put the phrase and would do anything for them in parentheses. Gillibrand fired back on Twitter saying Trump can't silence her or the millions of women who have gotten off the sidelines to speak speak about the unfitness and shame he's brought to the Oval Office. So there you go. But uh, so how do you take that and would do anything for them? <laughs> oh my God. Eh. So over the top. My guess is that he wrote that or something like it, meaning politically, but then saw it and thought, "Oh, that's funny. That's <laughs> I, perfect." I don't. I don't know. He I, does that a lot. As always, I have no idea what he actually meant. He pulls that off too often for it to be a mistake. You know, I always put it down to the fact that he finds it impossible to state anything in a way that's completely clear. So I don't know. I don't know if I can credit him with cleverness you know, yet. The first part, because we're used to the new world, doesn't strike you as that strong. Uh, you go back a couple of years, and the sitting president saying lightweight Senator Kristen Gillibrand a total flunky for Chuck Schumer. Right. <laughs> I mean that's that's pretty amazing in the old days, but not anymore. Who would come to my office begging for campa- campaign contributions not so long ago and would do anything for them. Oh, boy. Maybe there's a sexual innuendo there. Maybe there's not. Well, there's definitely an innuendo there. Maybe he meant it or maybe he didn't. Right. Yeah. Yeah. Wild. 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 All right. That'll be discussed today. So, there you go. That's just, it's crazy times. So, listen to this, would you? This is just amazing. And none of this is disputed or disputable. And I don't know what Mueller's going to find. Let's keep in mind, he's just looking at Russian intelligence services meddling with the United States, our society, our media, our social media, our election, whatever. Part of that is the whole, did Trump and his peeps collude thing? You know, who knows? I, I haven't heard anything that would suggest that that's true, except as a couple of people pointed out on Twitter the other day, um, why is Don Jr., for instance, and why Flynn, why are they always lying about meetings? Hard to imagine. Or holding back. If it was an innocent meeting, say, yeah, I got together with the guy. We talked about, you know, we'd like better relations in the future. Simple as that. I don't know. I don't know. That's so, one of the great you know, questions. Again, that's one of those smoke and fire things. But listen to this one. A senior Justice Department official demoted last week for concealing his meetings is a little complicated now. You're going to have to follow this. Senior Justice Department official demoted last week for concealing his meetings with the men behind the anti-Trump dossier had even closer ties to Fusion GPS, the firm responsible for that document, than had been disclosed. The official's wife worked for Fusion GPS during the 2016 election. Uh, contacted by Fox News, investigators for the House Permanent Select Committee on Intelligence confirmed that Nellie H. Orr, wife of the demoted official Bruce Orr, worked for the Oppo research firm last year. The precise nature of her duties, including, including whether she worked on the dossier, remain unclear, but a review of her published works available online reveal Miss, Mrs. Orr has written extensively on Russia-related subjects. And the staff of the uh, committee confirmed that she was paid by Fusion GPS through the summer and fall of 2016. 
Fusion GPS has attracted scrutiny because Republican lawmakers have spent the better part of the year investigating whether the dossier, which was funded by the Hillary Clinton campaign and the Democratic National Committee substantially, served as the basis for the Justice Department and the FBI to obtain FISA surveillance on a Trump campaign advisor named Carter Page. So the Justice Department and the FBI used the dossier as justification for phone tapping American citizens. And if it was a complete phony partisan piece of crap, then that is pretty solid evidence that the Obama DOJ was working for political purposes, among other things. Yeah, did they know it was a complete phony piece of crap? Well, how right. did you not? Right. Well, and, and then it goes to the current investigation into Trump and the DOJ and what they're doing. Now, Comey claimed, seemed to claim he thought it could be real. Remember, he went and sat down with the president and said, I think you should know this is out there. Right, right. The House Intelligence Committee, uh, Chairman Devin Nunes, our California, told uh, Fox News' statement on Monday, quote, is looking into all the facets of the connections between the DOJ and Fusion GPS, including Ms. Mr. Orr. Now, listen to this. Bruce Orr held two titles at DOJ. He was and remains director of the Organized Crime Drug Enforcement Task Force. But his other job was far more senior. He held the rank of Associate Deputy Attorney General, a post that gave him an office a couple doors down from Deputy Attorney General Rod Rosenstein. Now, the day before Fox News, the day before Fox News reported that Mr. Orr held his secret meetings last year with the founder of Fusion GPS and Chris Steele, the agent who produced the dossier, uh, the Justice Department stripped Orr of his deputy title and ousted him from his fourth-floor office at the building that DOJ insiders call Main Justice. The DOJ has provided no explanation for Orr's demotion. Um, da, 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 da. Bruce Orr was, oh, former FBI Director James Comey has described the dossier as a compendium of salacious and unverified allegations about then-candidate Donald Trump and his associates, including Page, foreign policy advisor. So now you have... Two high-up people in the Justice Department and FBI demoted and transferred for, A, concealing their work with this Fusion GPS outfit in the dossier, or, B, clearly being in the pocket of Team Clinton. And, you know, listen, uh, you know, Republicans, many of whom don't like Trump, admittedly, say Mueller's a straight shooter. They trust him, blah, blah, blah. But that's just crazy. Remember Strzok, who was part of every major turn in the road that benefited Hillary Clinton during the email investigation. Now, turns out, is is a higher up, one of the highest ups in the Trump uh, investigation, and when it came to light that he's having an affair and was exchanging anti-Trump emails and pro-Hillary, I'm sorry, texts and pro-Hillary texts, he was switched from uh, from counterintelligence to the personnel office. And he's one of the keys in the Trump investigation. I'm telling you, it stinks. I'm starting to think the Russians hooked the FBI in the way that there was so much enthusiasm among the Trump people to bring down Hillary. They may have gone too far. Oh, I guarantee they did. I think there was enthusiasm among some people in the FBI to get Trump, and they may have gone too far, all right. being hooked by the Russians. Right. It's entirely possible the enthusiasm of the FBI was because they knew or believed with good reason that Trump and company had got gotten into bed with the Russians too far because of the enthusiasm for bringing down Hillary you just mentioned. So it, this could be... 
Putin's masterstroke. Oh, yeah. He hooked the FBI and the Trump campaign and yeah. the Clinton campaign as they uh, paid for the that piece of crap reporting. Right. Right. Everybody got hooked by the Russians. That that might be the biggest lesson. I hope that's the big takeaway for most people out of this, is that we all just realize we really got to keep our eye on the way they jerk us around. Yeah. They're not yeah. picking a side. They just want they just want to screw with the whole thing. Right. Yeah. That that is at the heart of this. And, yeah. and I, I beg people to remember that. They won't because everybody's so wrapped up in the R versus D battle. And and has completely forgotten that they're an American, first and foremost, and a Russian, and a Lithuanian, but mostly <laughs> proud to be a libertarian. <laughs> I don't know. Troubled times, fans. Troubled times. So, um... Ought to pay off the cart girl thing eventually. We got this text. Top of the hour news read the Trump tweet, and it sounded fine. Jack read it, and it sounded sexual. I don't know if that's a compliment or... We're a hell of a lot better, more talented, and better paid than the top of the hour news. <laughs> Keep that in mind. Nice folks, I'm sure, but please. I doubt that back and forth is over on the Twitter. We'll keep an eye on oh, it. Oh, please, oh, please, oh, please. You're listening to the Armstrong and Getty Show. So I just want to set the record straight while they're here. One of our attorneys is a Jew. The laughs, the groans, <laughs> then the couple of cheers, smattering of applause, more groans. <laughs> oh, my God. We thought we'd play that once an hour just because uh. it's, so, uh, it's so amazing. That's Roy Moore's wife. One of our lawyers is a Jew. That's Roy Moore's <laughs> wife. Trying to help. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Thanks, honey. And I, I, uh, well, I don't know. I, I could see it going either way. Absolutely. I, I can, you can make an argument for how it's going to go either way. So we'll see. You know, it's funny. That reminds me. I'm sitting on the, uh, the love seat in the family room with uh, my beloved wife over the weekend. We're uh, sitting there. I'm sipping coffee. We're playing a little words with friends on our iPads against our various friends and uh, neighbors around the country. And uh, take a sip of coffee and dribbles on me. As I'm, like, taking the cup away from my face. What the hell? I just dribbled on myself. I wipe it away. We play about 30 seconds later. I want another sip. I, I dribble on myself again. Mm. What the hell? I think there's something wrong with this cup. She says, hmm. So the next time I take a sip, and I'm really, really careful. And uh, no drip. And I said to her, <laughs> I said, the fault, dear Judith, is not in our cups, but in ourselves. And she says, hmm. <laughs> and so, and so, hang on. So there's like 30 seconds of silence, and it really bothers me. Right. So I said, because it's pretty clever. I said, thank you. <laughs> I said, are you familiar with that reference? She said, what? I said, you know, the fault, dear Judith, is not in our uh, cups. She said, oh, yeah, yeah, not in our stars, but in ourselves, yeah. I said, yeah, Shakespeare, Julius Caesar. She says, yeah. I say, that's really funny. <laughs> <laughs> and she says, yeah, yeah, that was really good. 
<laughs> goes wow. back to playing yeah. words with friends. Get in, I said, ah, tough crowd tonight. <laughs> God, how good do you have to be to get a chuckle on the love seat in my house? You got to work more blue. I dropped a that's. <laughs> I dropped a bone, ham bone. What do you say? I dropped a that's what she said at uh, the, on Thanksgiving. Oh, I had a good one. And I passed it the and, other and day. And I never I do that. On it. The kids weren't in the room. I wouldn't do it right. with the kids in the room, obviously. Right. But she, uh, she's having trouble with the oven. And one of her con- real concerns was the, the oven will just stop working all the time. And she was really concerned that was going to happen on Thanksgiving. Need a new oven. Right. The oven is came with the, was built, put in with the house when it was built in 79. Yeah. It's an old oven. But anyway. Yes. Wow. Yeah. That's a, that is an old timey oven. Um, so she's battling the oven. And then she says, it's all so small. Uh, she said, I'm really glad you're working tonight, but do you have to be so tiny? <laughs> and I said, I got to say, that's what she said. I just, I can't not. I the don't universe think, demands I don't, Yeah, it. I don't think the universe will let me not say, <laughs> right. I'm glad you're working tonight, but do you have to be so tiny? Right. And just let that hang out there. <laughs> you set them up, I spike them down. That's how this right. works. That's just, right. you know. You don't want them spiked. Don't set them. Gravity would stop working or right. something if I didn't. Exactly. I'm sure she was highly amused by that, too. Mm. Mm. Oh, boy. You know, it's funny. That reminds me of another story. Uh, God dang it, we're going to run out of time. Nah. Man, my, uh, my my buddy Brian, he was uh, commenting on my my new dog. Um, it's not Brian the umpire, but Brian the insurance guy. Um, and he says, uh, I, I made some comment about uh, counter surfing or something like that. We hear he might be prone to. And, and he, he tells me the story of um, Thanksgiving at his place. <laughs> they go, you know, set the table. They come back the entire effing bird is gone there's an empty platter and they look at the bird they look at each other they look at the the dog they look at each other and they were like honestly they just number one it's impossible that the dog ate the entire bird and then they take a closer look at it and she's got an amazingly distended belly looks like a boa restrictor constrictor and uh and, uh, you know, he ends the story, and I text back to him, what the hell happened? Was the dog all right? And he said, yes, but its leavings the next couple of days were the most amazing thing you've ever seen in your life. So, yeah, the dog ate the entire turkey. Bones and all? Bone, well, I doubt it. It filleted it. It bones and all. Just wolfed it down. Oh, my God. Hence the expression. You know? Wow. Isn't that amazing? Yeah. I think that would kill a dog. You would. Like yeah. I said, I've, I, I caught our dog after it did eat an entire loaf of bread in like two seconds. Wow. Loaf of bread on the table, turn around, it's gone, turn around, oh, and its belly was sticking out, too. Yeah. Woof. Woof, indeed. I'm glad you're working tonight, but you have to be so tiny. I get it. Huh? I get it. What are other headlines, Marshall Phillips? Well, we already know who a majority of <laughs> Alabamans will be voting for today. Air Rage West Coast passenger busted for smoking on a flight goes crazy. And we've got a new survey. How many parents are helping their adult children pay their bills these days? Stories coming up minutes from now, Armstrong and Getty. Somebody just let me know what the the new that's what she said is. I hadn't heard this, Uh-oh. but it's funny. Uh-huh. I'll tell you that uh, right before Marshall's news. Okay. I'm going to start using this around the house. Oh, also no. probably not in front of the kids. <laughs> it's funny stuff. So, uh, a number of things, yeah, we have to bring you up to speed on, including the fact that we have Paul Ryan, the Speaker of the House, on at 620 tomorrow. He's going to try to sell that unpopular tax plan to 
listeners of the Armstrong and Getty audience. And at 8 o'clock, we have the editor of a local newspaper right in the heart of Roy Moore country uh, in Alabama who wrote an editorial saying, don't vote for him. Yeah, I can't wait to hear that. All coming up on the Armstrong and Getty Show. and dropping a that's what she said so somebody texted this and i'm looking for opportunities to use it because they said the new that's what she said is just like in prison (laughs) (laughs) it sounds hilarious oh Oh, my gotta look for the right opportunities to drop one of those (laughs) yeah wow all right a new challenge i like it Wow. <laughs> Challenge accepted, and I'm going to win. Yeah, all right, cool. Let's get the news now with Marsha Phillips. Well, the polls are open in Alabama. Republican Roy Moore running against Democrat rival Doug Jones in this hotly contested U.S. Senate race. And this morning, President Trump was tweeting, quote, The people of Alabama will do the right thing. Doug Jones is pro-abortion, weak on crime, military, and illegal immigration. Bad for gun owners and veterans. and against, And against the wall. Jones is a Pelosi Schumer puppet. Roy Moore will always vote with us. Vote Roy Moore exclamation point. Well, there's a couple of great clips of Bannon on the stage last night. We'll have to get those for you and play him. Uh, he's he's all in. I mean, you can't get more all in than Bannon is behind Roy Moore. And I don't quite get Bannon's worldview. I don't see how Roy Moore fits into it. He thinks he'll be a loyal Trump guy. Is that it? Yeah, I think that's mainly it. If you take Bannon at his word, he is just going to promote Donald Trump and batter his enemies. Okay. Well, at this point, though, it looks like the majority of Alabamans will not be casting a vote for anyone. Alabama's top election official estimates that the turnout for today's uh, Senate race will likely be around 18 to 20 percent of registered voters. 18 to 20%. So this, the national news obsession over the last month is going to draw 20%. That happens a lot, though, in America. What was the election in California where the turnout was historically low? It was like 14%. That was a big discussion. Should it be this way, that way, right. the nation paying attention? 14% of people mattered. It mattered enough to them to go out and vote. And this in Alabama, and even in our presidential election. If it's the most watched presidential election in history, we get to 60%. Yeah, the, which uh, is amazing. The Alabama Secretary of State is a little bit more optimistic. He thinks the uh, turnout might be as high as 25%. Oh, wait a minute. So wow. There you go. Why Why so low for this? I would have thought this would have got a higher mail. Well, and it's, it's closely contested. I mean, I get a low turnout in California. It's a one-party yeah. state for various reasons. Sad note, San Francisco's Mayor Ed Lee died suddenly at the age of 65. He reportedly had a heart attack while he was grocery shopping last night. He died early this morning at the Zuckerberg San Francisco General Hospital. Again, 65 years well, old. I suppose sad for him, his wife, his kids, all that sort of stuff. But there's a lot of people hate Ed Lee. He's yeah. a huge sanctuary city, all that crap. Right, right. And, you know, he managed the unicorn-riding fantasist utopians of the San Francisco uh, City Council who have completely lost grasp on the realities of humankind. Um, you know, it's, it's, but, you know, he's a human being. He's got a family. I didn't wish him dead. 
An Oregon woman caught trying to smoke on a Southwest flight has been arrested and then started shouting death threats on board. Ah, right. Officials say 24-year-old Valerie Corbello disabled the smoke alarm in the plane's restroom and she got caught. Taken back to her seat and that's when she started shouting. I will kill everybody on this Play. The flight. From- wow, baby, you got to look into some uh, Nicorette or something, huh? Get the patch, bitch. I don't know if it's the tone of her voice or whatever, but if I was sitting on that plane and she said that, I wouldn't be concerned. She just screams she wants to kill everybody on this plane. I think somebody needs to wrestle her to the ground. But I've she- run into you yeah. late at night in various bars. <laughs> yeah, whatever. I know you. <laughs> <laughs> the flight from Portland to Sacramento landed safely. She was taken into custody after uh, afterwards. She blamed anxiety. That's why. <laughs> That's why she had to light up in mid-flight. When you were at your height of smoking, yes. how many packs a day would you smoke? Oh, two packs. Okay. And two if, packs a day. And, and if you went a certain amount of time without a cigarette, what did it make you feel like? What was your mood? Does I, it make you really, like, anxious, angry, death-ready? Oh, not death-ready necessarily, but, man, I got really anxious. I got really anxious. In fact, you know, when you go into the airport, you check in, you go up through security and everything. I'd be up there for a little while, and I'd have to go all the way back out, go outside, smoke a cigarette, and then do the whole security thing again. Right. If I had to wait like an hour, I would do that three times. Yeah. All the way down. That's a rough way to live your life. Yep. Turns out nearly three quarters, three quarters of parents these days are helping their adult children pay their bills. According to a new survey from CreditCards.com and Bankrate 74, Bankrate, 74% of parents help pay for their adult children's living expenses. But does that have, you know, all, all pretty much all 18-year-olds, that would include, you know, right? Yeah. So. Yeah. Yeah. And just housing costs are so high, particularly on the left coast. I, you know, I'm... The more independent and the more quickly uh, youngsters can be, launching adults can be, the better for everybody. I'm 100% in favor of that, but, you know, I won't judge. This uh, particular survey found the most common expense parents are helping pay for for their kids is their cell phone bill. The other top one's transportation, meaning things like car repairs, gas, rent, and utilities. That's probably a little misleading, too, because so many cell phone things have family plans. That's where, exactly our case. Yeah, you bundle yeah. them all together, yeah. so that's not... I, I, yeah. Yeah. yeah, yeah, you gotta look behind statistics. That's a good one right there. Why are you trying to disparage America's young people, Marshall? There's bitterness. It's a Poor costly, kids. costly world yeah, out that's there, true. my friend. Yeah. It really is. It really us, is. Us, yeah. us entitled millennials. Exactly. Yeah, what's all the matter pre- with you? All the previous yeah. generations had was an affordable loft in New York for 50K. <laughs> I've, uh, I've switched sides again. Yeah, you punks. Why don't you get out and get a job? <laughs> that's a wrap. That's your news. I'm Marshall Phillips. The Armstrong and Getty Show, the voice of the West. Um, We got an Obama administration official who just landed a cushy job. May mean something. Could hit you with that at some point, I suppose. You're still going to tell us about the cart girl? Yeah. And then we're going to go to Alabama and talk to a reporter there to see what it looks like on the ground among Alabamans. That's usually a good way to find out more about these races, because often the national take on these things is completely off track. Yep. Stay tuned for all that coming up on the Armstrong and Getty Show.
The New York Times says that each day, President Trump watches eight hours of TV and drinks 12 Diet Cokes. <laughs> he sounds less like the president, more like a college kid who just got home for winter break. It's like... Um, what the hell? We're going to talk to a reporter on the ground from a small newspaper in Alabama coming up at 804, and we'll get uh, that perspective of what's going on with the Roy Moore race. You know, I've never even heard uh, serious people trying to make a serious point with that eight hours a day watching cable news. What the piece said was four hours a day, occasionally as much as twice that. But everybody's going with, yeah, every day watches eight hours and it's just it's a post-truth world. Anyway. Uh, it's a minor point, but it's funny how universal that's become. So a couple of things very quickly. You know, we got this email. I really like it. It sets out the cart girl thing at golf courses, especially resorts, but a lot of golf courses. They, they have uh, occasionally referred to as the quench wench. Uh, the uh, quench wench. A young woman who drives around the drink cart and will serve drinks to the golfers and works her way backward to the holes and blah, blah, blah. Um, and they Just are like in jail. Often. <laughs> No, no, no. And it's prison. Got a couple of more of those, by the way, so stay tuned. All right. So it's often uh, like uh, college girls in short shorts, tight T-shirts, makeup, the rest of it, uh, selling you the overpriced drinks. And then uh, Joe, our correspondent from San Francisco, uh, mentions a a friend of his who was uh, almost 60 at the time. And, and thinking he actually had a chance with this 20-year-old co-ed, so he's throwing money at her and tips and the rest of it. Oh, you know, God. And I've, I've played golf with plenty of guys who, it, I don't think they actually think they have a shot, because, I mean, it's just crazy. But some enjoy the flirting ritual. Some of them are good at it. Some of them, it, maybe it makes them feel young, but it's definitely a big thing. And the girls get the tips, and they're really hot, and blah, 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 blah. Well, um, that's funny. I I run completely the other direction on that. Like, I'm you think by flirting with me, I'm going to give you money. I find that insulting. Right. But a lot of people easily manipulated. But a lot of of people really like it. Right. But so anyway, Joe mentions a couple of years after that experience in Scottsdale where the buddy thinks he has a shot. A golf magazine published an article by a woman who posed as a cart girl to find out how they were treated. You'll never guess. She was flirted with. I think I would guess. She was flirted with. (laughs) The men were pigs. They reportedly looked at her legs and breasts, and some actually asked for dates. Men, horrible. Overall, I'd have to sum it up, Joe Rice, by saying that if you throw chum into the ocean, the angel fish will leave you alone, but don't expect the sharks to act like gentlemen. You know, I mention that partly because you got this story of Ryan Lizza. Uh, you know, he's a skilled enough writer. I, uh, he's a CNN guy as well as a New Yorker reporter. Reminds me a little bit of Glenn Thrush, who's a reporter for the New, New York Times, who I think is still on leave yep, yep. for kissing a coworker consensually in a bar, and she was his superior. Yeah, then he tried to hold hands with a woman after the Christmas party when they went for a walk after they'd been, both been drinking, but... As Geraldo Rivera called it, that's criminalizing courtship I mean, right. to a certain extent. How many relationships have started with somebody having the guts to try to hold hands? Right. And the other one's like, oh, my God, I didn't. You like me. I like you. Right. Or, you know, I'm not really comfortable with that, Jim. And then him saying, oh, I'm sorry. And right. the world keeps spinning. So you've got this Liza character who is just let go by the New Yorker, sans any sort of meeting or investigation or whatever um he says they said it was improper sexual conduct 
He says it was a respectful, consensual relationship with a woman I dated. Now, evidently, she has said something about it, it was not respectful. But I, I is that a woman scorned? Whatever, I, a scorned? I don't know. But he was uh, he was fired. It would appear just preemptively. And then you got Glenn Thrush, who, and I don't like Glenn Thrush. Again, he's a very good reporter. He and I swing in different directions politically. He once hung up on us in a, to me, just panty-wadded show of, of, of he's too good for what he thought the show was. He, he probably is, but. Well, uh, that's, that's neither here nor there. <laughs> and so, uh, you know, I don't, I don't like these. I don't love these guys, but. It seems like we've gone really, really far. And uh, I, I read this piece um, written by a woman by the name Claire Berlinski called uh, The Warlock Hunt. And actually, a warlock is not actually a male witch. It's uh, it's different. But anyway, oh, really? I didn't know that. Yeah. Um, it's not what they claim to be witched. <laughs> that's your authority on the Wiccan mm-hmm. religion, Jack? Yes. Very nice. So her opening paragraph, I think, is quite good. Women are not going nuts for no reason. We're fed up with feeling prickles down our spine as we walk alone on dimly lit streets. Fed up with thinking, if he entitles, feels entitled to send me that message, what might he feel entitled to do if he knew where I lived? Fed up with strangers who smack their lips and murmur obscenities at us. Fed up with thinking, no, I don't want to go to your hotel room to discuss closing the contract. I'll have to tell my husband. He's waiting for me to call. My husband, the pathologically jealous gun nut. You know, just living like that. We're sick of it, she says. And she says, among us, it seems, of the class of men who call to mind Caligula and Elagabulus. I'm not, I don't know his act. Caligula, I know. Not only in their depravity, but in their grotesque sense of impunity. On and on she goes. um, and, uh, And it's quite well written. But then she says, all true, yet something is troubling me. Recently, I saw a friend, a man, pilloried on Facebook for asking if the hashtag MeToo is going a little too far. No, said his female uh, critics. Women have endured far too many years of harassment, humiliation, and injustice. We'll tell you when it's gone too far. But I'm part of the we, and I say it's going too far. Mass hysteria is set in. It's become a classic moral panic, one that is ultimately as dangerous to women as men. And... Her point, how much time do I have? I'll have a little time. She brings up some of the hasty kind of thin evidence, you know, sackings and humiliations and the rest of it. She discusses some of the more solid ones. But then she says, things men and women do naturally, flirt, play, make naughty jokes, desire, seduce, tease now becomes harassment only by virtue of the words that followed the description of the act of the genetic form. I froze. I was terrified. It doesn't matter how the man felt about it or what he said. The onus to understand the interaction and its emotional subtleties falls entirely on him. But why? Perhaps she should have understood his behavior to be harmless. Clumsy, sweet, but misdirected. Maladroit, tacky, but lacking in malice sufficient to cost him his career. For instance, she goes into some detail, but... Um, especially as you mentioned last week, given the statistics, lots of people meet their boyfriends, girlfriends, spouses at work. Very common. Right. Well, for, for that to be true at some point, somebody did something that in this modern climate, the hashtag me too movement wouldn't like. Right. Um, repeated asking out or something. She, uh, 
mentioned something that was a little, uh, you know, a little pushy. She says, here's the thing. I did not freeze, nor was I terrified. I was amused and thad- flattered and thought little of it. I knew full well he'd deny doing that, but zabadabadoo. Uh, and uh, uh, and then she talks about she had the power and she felt fine with it, blah, blah, blah. Um, and then she makes the point, and I think this is probably good, and I wish I had more time to get into this. And she, she goes, do not r- 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 mistake me for a rape apologist, blah, blah, blah. But she poses the question... Women, do we really want to work in a world where we are considered so fragile, so hair-trigger, so prone to offense that men are better off just not dealing with us? Do we want to make it so hazardous to just be a human being around women? It's too dangerous to employ us. It's too dangerous to invite us to a meeting. It's too dangerous to relate to us. We're going to talk to a reporter from Alabama coming up in just a few minutes. Probably have more on that this topic also. Coming up on the Armstrong and Getty Show.